reading a very short uh, portion of scripture from a gospel according to Matthew chapter 6 and verses 1 to 4. And I'm reading this out of the uh, NLT. Watch out, don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. For you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do it as the hypocrites do. Blowing trumpets in the synagogue and the streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. Amen. Right, now before we start, I thought we'd start off with a gift. The kids normally get loads of gifts. And that's great. That's wonderful to see, you know, bubbles, chocolate, all the rest of it. But I was thinking, no, the adults need some gift today, gifts today. But we need them to be healthy, don't we? So I'm thinking, bit of fruit. And today we're going to start at the back and work forward rather than starting at the front and working back. So all the people at the back, won't all, all the stuff that people's left, you'll get the first pick. So yeah, we're going to be talking, as the reading alluded to, we're going to be talking about giving. It's a bit of a, bit of a funny subject, but I'll start off by saying it's good to give um, and it's good to receive. I got a gift the other day. It's this, from Marilyn. It's a certificate from the Guild of British Hooverers. I don't know how, it's never happened before. She somehow caught me hoovering in here. I don't know, but anyway. And uh, I've uh, certified as having completed the, the Guild of British Hooverers Class 1E brackets certificate in hoovering. But the important thing is, it's so good this, it only applies in ecclesiastical settings. So I'm not allowed to do it at home. It's great, isn't it? It's fantastic. <laughs> so that was my gift that really perked me up. But this is going to start with a bit of a government, government health warning. The reason being that um, it's a touchy subject, isn't it, giving? Um, and uh, if you are here visiting us today, I don't think there are any visitors, but if you are here visiting today, don't panic. We're not after your money. We're far happier to see people in this place than we are to see cash being handed over. That's not what we're about. However, uh, two people, three people, sorry, have said to me independently over the last couple of months, um, is money a taboo subject in Lum? Is it a taboo subject? Are we not allowed to talk about money? And I was thinking, I was thinking, hang on, can I ever remember anybody speaking about money? And I thought, Mom, no, I can't. And that's about 15 years that I've been coming here. So I thought, we'll give it a go. But first job is to underline for all of you that God loves you. And if you're in a place this morning where you're not sure of that, just accept it that God loves you. Christ died for you, for all of you. So if you remember nothing else, remember those things. So, next slide please, thank you. So we're looking at the reading, that's a short reading that uh, Gary brought us. We're in the Sermon on the Mount. It's the uh, greatest bit of oration in the history of humanity, some have said. It's formed the basis of our legal system. It gives us the Lord, Lord's Prayer that we did this morning. It's an absolute stonker of a passage of scripture. It really is. I don't know if I can use the word stonker, but I've, there you go, I've used it. 
Um, and God was speaking, uh, sorry, Jesus was speaking, these are the words of Jesus in the, that we heard in the reading, um, speaking to the disciples and to a crowd of people, such a big crowd of people that he had to go up a hill. And within that, we have a very short section on giving. Next slide. And our church is really blessed. Next slide, please. Thank you. Our church is really blessed. Over the last 200 years, we have this amazing building. We have this amazing presence in this valley. Because the Holy Spirit, remember it's Trinity Sunday, those of you who didn't know it's Trinity Sunday today, the Holy Spirit has prompted people to give and to be generous over the last 200 years. And this photograph was taken in uh, in the late 20s, so we've got the trams there, you've got the Sunday school building on the left there, which we now are in, we've got the old chapel there, and that has been there, this, there's been a presence in this valley for 200 years. How amazing is that, that God has blessed us and the Holy Spirit has prompted people to generously give. So is there a need to think about this? Well, yes, there is. Next slide, next slide please. Um, over the last um, few months, uh, those of us who have been going to church meetings will be aware that there has been a uh, kind of a slight anxiety about uh, the difference between the amount that the church receives versus the amount that the church spends in outgoings. So specifically, pension contributions, salary of pension, that kind of salary of pastor, that kind of stuff. And it was of the order of something like four hundred quid a month, um, which is a chunk of change. And the idea was that if we looked at our savings and our assets, by about two years, the line would cross the graph at about £400 a month. So we got about two years left. So what did we do? Well, we prayed about it. Fantastic. And we all, in our own minds, we had the solution in our minds. Because we don't really need God, do we, when we're praying? We have, we have God, I've worked this out. Just do this. And, you know, you don't need to think about it. Just do this, and it'll, everything will be fine. So we'd worked it all out, you know, and it was going to be an increase in giving, or it was going to be a legacy, or it was going to be uh, selling something, or, or whatever it was. But we had it all worked out. How wrong were we? We got a solution, didn't we? Our pastor's gone. <laughs> I'm glad you're laughing. I think it's hilarious. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> we prayed. We got an answer. And now, what have we got to do? Well, we've got to step up. We've got to do stuff. Which is why I'm dressed, I'm stood here this morning, dressed as an accountant, um, uh, speaking, which is a, a position I would, I can assure you, rather not be in. <laughs> But in answer to prayer, next slide please, what's happened? Well, the graph is going the other way. Hooray! Thank you, God. Thank you, God. So let's think about this section that Jesus uh, uh, gives us on giving. He was talking about the Pharisees and the uh, his hypocrites, as he called them, people who say one thing and do another. And he was saying, when you give, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Do it in private. Don't be sounding trumpets. But he was also saying that weird thing at the beginning where there will be almost as if there'll be consequences and your reward is related in some way, which is a weird thing. Let's perhaps come back to that. 
Next slide, please. So who were the Pharisees then? Um, Well, they're a Jewish sect, weren't they, Lynn? Pay attention. This is your bit. Uh, What, 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 what? (laughs) It's all right. They were a Jewish sect, second century BC, and they kept the Jewish law. But they kind of, as we all do occasionally, get the balance, got the balance wrong. So taking the example of the law of the Sabbath, keeping the Sabbath holy, don't do any work. So what does that mean? Well, they produced a whole load of other laws around it to sort of protect that law. So you weren't to walk very far, you weren't to carry anything, you weren't to light any fires and all that kind of stuff. And they were so preoccupied with the law that they kind of forgot about justice and the love of God and all the rest of it. So they kind of got the balance wrong. So Jesus was quite hard on the Pharisees. I think they get a bit of a hard time, really. Let's not forget both Paul and Nicodemus were Pharisees. And by the way, the whole thing with the fanfares, next slide, please. Um, it does sound very much in this uh, reference as though they were blowing trumpets, literally blowing, blowing trumpets. And I've heard people preach on this and say, oh, yes, they had uh, they had a trumpet and they blew it three times a day when they were giving their arms, giving speak with great confidence about it. Uh, and then some people say, oh, no, they had ten trumpets. They'd uh, play them three times a day and blah, blah, blah. The reality is that we don't know. Nowhere in uh, historical literature is it said that the Pharisees used trumpets. So it may well just be alluding to boastful giving. But either way, it works. Whether there was a trumpet or there wasn't a trumpet, the point still remains that it's boastful giving that we need to be guarding against. So what we're going to talk about today, next slide, please. Dead easy, dead easy. Should we all give? Three questions. Should we all give? To who and how much? Dead easy. No controversy in any of that at all, is there? Um, we'll just rattle through it and we'll all go home, it'll be fine. So, um, first question, should we give? Well, verse 2 and verse 3, Jesus is very clear, isn't it? He's talking to uh, these folks and he says, look, when you give to the needy, he doesn't say, if you happen to give to the needy or if you happen to feel inclined to give to the needy or if you uh, feel up to it. He says, when you give to the needy, verse And then in verse 3 he says, but when you give to the needy, he says it twice. We're only looking at four verses here, he says it twice. It says to me that it's quite an important thing. And then I put down here the reference to James, which is the thing about faith without deeds being dead and all that kind of stuff. So our salvation as we know isn't built on deeds and isn't dependent on deeds, absolutely not. But what we do, the way we live our life and how we respond to this call is in some way important. And the concept, and there will be consequences, as Jesus said in uh, the first verse and the last verse. But we're not all created equal, are we? Next slide, please. It's Trinity uh, Sunday, so uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's four list, lists of gifts in the, of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, and they all have different gifts on them. There's some overlap, but they have different ones on, like administration. Um, and in this one, I quite like this in, in verse 8. Um, if it's uh, your gift to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Romans 12. What was that again? If it's giving, then give generously. What? Giving, giving's a gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank goodness for that. Next slide, please. Thank goodness for that. I know what you're thinking. Yeah. 
Thank goodness I wasn't blessed with that gift. Fantastic. So it's a cop-out that we all kind of use. But that's not what we mean, is it? Jesus is calling us to give, calling us all to give. But there is an acknowledgement that some will be called to give more. They will be blessed with the gift of generosity, like the church in Macedonia, like the widow who chucked in her mite, like the woman with the jar of nard, all of these examples from the uh, Bible of really extravagant, amazing generosity. But we're all called to give. So to who? Well, if we look at the uh, Bible uh, example, we can pull all of these from different parts of the Bible. So we need, at various times, the priests were given to, so the Levites in the Old Testament were given to. Uh, the widows in Acts, there was provision made specifically for, for, for the widows who were very vulnerable in society at that time. For missionaries, so for Paul, John, and others who went out as uh, part of missionary work in, the, in Acts, they were provided for. The needy, via arms, as Jesus has said here. Each other, the churches in, in Acts kind of clubbed together. They um, pooled their possessions, sold them so as everybody could live. And our enemies. So all of these groups are, have been examples of who we should give to at various points in the Bible. Next slide. But I don't know about you, I don't need any of that because I work it all out in my head. And if I, if I see a need, then I kind of make a judgment and think, oh yeah, well I, I, I can see your need, but to be honest, and I've used an example here, she looks a bit too well cared for, don't you think? I think she's an actor just holding up a, a thing, but anyway, the point is, if you see, if I see a homeless person, I sort of think to myself, uh, sort of think to myself, um, right, okay, uh, is that alcohol? Oh yeah, I can smell alcohol. Yeah, uh, uh, and drug. Oh yeah, drugs. Drugs. You got a dog on a on a piece of string. Must be drugs. That's a sign, isn't it? Dog on a piece of string. Um, and I think to myself, right, okay, well, no, I'm not going to give anything to this person because if I give it to them, they're only going to spend it on alcohol or drugs. So I'm actually doing them a favour, not giving them. Aren't I good? But that's not what we're called to do, is it? That's not what we're called to do. There's a thing which you may be aware of called effective altruism. Next slide, please. And it's, it kind of does what I've just described, but in a kind of an organised way. And the reason why I know about this is because my number two son is quite heavily involved with effective altruism. It's really got into his head for some reason. And essentially what it does is uses scientific principles, so evidence evidence analysis and that kind of stuff, to look at areas of need and to look at um, initiatives to help that, to make a judgment about them and then prioritise what you're doing. And it's very sensible because if you've got a limited budget, if you've got a quid or a hundred quid and you want to use it, you really want to optimise your giving, don't you, to to, to give most benefit. And especially when recently we've had all kinds of stuff in the news from Oxfam and all kinds of strange stuff going on in charities. So it's not a bad thing. And one example that they, that they point to is, uh, next slide, is uh, the issue of malaria, which has been a, a worldwide, um, well, burden for, well, forever, really. And uh, since 2003, when um, AgainstMalaria.com started, um, malaria deaths in the world are down by 75%. Can you believe that? 75%. There are still half a million people, most of them under five, dying every year. 
but there's been a 75% reduction. And that's all down to mosquito nets. Cost about two quid each, last about four years. And that charity has distributed something like £160 million worth of um, mosquito nets. So that's what it's cost the world to reduce malaria deaths by 75% since 2003. So let's give to malaria nets. That's what effective altruism says. We've done the analysis, like I watched the homeless piece, person. I've done the analysis. I won't give to you. I'll give to you. We've, they've done the analysis. Let's give to um, malaria nets. I do have a bit of a problem with that, though. And I'll come back to that in a second. Next slide, please. It's a happy birthday for Tear Fund this week. On the 29th, which is Tuesday, Tear Fund is 50. 50 years of age. And one of the founders of uh, Tear Fund put, I think, my concerns really eloquently. So, next slide, please. He said that one person cannot change the world, but each of us can change the world for one person. So this kind of analytical, big picture analysis and scientific analysis is great for big stuff, but it doesn't leave room for the Holy Spirit to prompt us, to give us the gift of generosity to answer that particular person's need. Which I think on occasions, even I am prompted to do. Next slide, please. And then you've got this other weird verse from chapter 25 in Matthew, when Jesus seems to talk about the fact that any benefit we give to the needy, to the people in prison, to the hungry, to the thirsty, somehow we do them for Jesus. Next slide, please. So all of, a lot of this comes down to stewardship, doesn't it? And uh, in church, over the last two, three years, we've become really good at stewardship, which is fantastic because there was a problem before, whereas now there isn't. And we've got, thanks to the work of... Uh, oh, hello, Ian. Hi. Thanks to the work of... Uh, many people, including Elizabeth and Ian, uh, in the church, um, we've now got a real handle on our financial situation, which is why we knew that there was a potential financial problem. So stewardship is good. The problem with stewardship, though, is that you can be, have the best system of stewardship in the world. You can have the best accounts in the world. You can have the best spreadsheets in the world. You can have every single penny accounted for, but have given nothing. Next slide, please. And Jesus tells us in verse five, in chapter 5, before this uh, chapter that we're looking at here, that we should give to the one who asks us. Don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. So, as a church, wouldn't it be nice if we had on our spreadsheet a section at the end of each year that kind of highlighted giving? 
not to boast, but simply to acknowledge that we're actually doing that. It could be mosquito nets. could be something else. I don't know. But it strikes me that would be a good thing. And one year we might be prompted to be incredibly generous by the Holy Spirit. Wouldn't that be amazing? So how much? Well, it strikes me that uh, there are some extremes here, aren't there? There's... uh, those people who say, oh, you should give everything, give everything, give everything, absolutely everything, which is great, absolutely fantastic. And we've got examples of that. We've got the widow's mite. We've got the woman with the jar of nard who pours it all over Jesus' feet. We've got Jesus talking to the rich young ruler who doesn't actually sell anything in the end, but says, you know, what do I do to, to um, have eternal life? He says, well, go away and sell everything. And he doesn't like that because Jesus knows what's in his heart. But at one extreme, you've got giving everything. At the other extreme, you've got people who've got absolutely nothing, who can't give anything. But in the middle, if we're honest, we've got us who, yeah, there are good days and bad days, but we're not starving, most of us. We're not cold at night, most of us. And please, I'm not making assumptions about anybody, and there may well be very genuine needs in this room, and I don't want to diminish those at all. But in the middle, you've probably got a group of people who are called to give, and who are called to give a reasonable amount. And we're also told, next slide, that Jesus and God doesn't want to harm us. So he doesn't want us to be broken and battered by our giving unless the Holy Spirit has laid that on our on our hearts. This is our verse from a couple of years ago. Um, plans not to harm us. And other verses do tell us that uh, we're called to give according to our means. So the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dealt in Judea. And then in the next verse, we've got according to that which a man has and not according to that which he has not. So it seems reasonable for this group in the middle, and probably we fall into that group, that we should be giving according to our means. But how much? How much? How much? Well, it's obvious, isn't it? Answer next slide. It's tithing, isn't it? Is it? Isn't it? This is in uh, honour of uh, Richard Booth. Richard Booth every week would have a cartoon up from Reverend Fun, so he's not here, but we have a cartoon in deference to Richard Booth. And I quite like this one because it's a kid saying, uh, it's obviously American. In, in America, when you get a bill, it says at the bottom, you know, uh, the gratuity for 10% is so much, 15% is so much, 20% is so much, 30% is so much. And we look at that as British people on holiday, we think, what? What? Hang on, what's this? What's this? Well, this kid's obviously pointing out here that, uh, hang on, the waitress gets 15% and God only gets 10%. Tithing, of course, is 10% of everything that we give. Some people do it before tax, some people do it after tax, but it's 10%, however you do it. So next next slide, please. So is tithing a good thing? I would say it probably is. Lots of examples of it in the Old Testament. So Abraham tithed the spoils of war. I guess you know all about this. Jacob tithed. The Israelites tithed in Leviticus. They gave to the Levites, who were the priest class at that time. And even the Levites, of the tithe that they received from the Israelites, they tithed that. So there was a tithe of a tithe. So in the Old Testament, tithing all over the place. In the New Testament, we've got Jesus here 
again, giving the Pharisees a hard time, um, pointing out that they tithe their produce, their mint, their rue, and every herb, herb, but that they forget about the love of God and justice. So it's a bit of a backhanded compliment there for tithing. But I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that tithing isn't actually specifically recommended or requested in the New Testament. We're simply called to give generously. So that cartoon that we just looked at, the little lad there seemed to think that the waitress was doing okay at 15%, but only God only got 10%. So it struck him as quite surprising. So does that mean that 10% isn't generous enough or is... I don't know, but we're simply called to give generously. Simply because we're no longer under the law. As it says in Romans uh, Romans 6, we're no longer under the law. Because the new covenant, the covenant of grace, is for all people, not simply the Jewish people. Heavy going this, isn't it? I think we need a short pause. looking for a drink of water there isn't one it's okay um yeah the, the world is a so much such a better place isn't it when you see a cat with its arm around another cat somehow the world is a better place isn't it yeah absolutely so yeah tithing hmm. so when i was thinking about this uh, god said short reading short message so I think I'm going to wrap it up at that. So uh, finally, and in summary, woohoo! Next slide, please. Now I've cocked this up a bit, really. I've written, "Do we all give?" That's the wrong question, really, isn't it? Because the answer to that question, not letting your left hand know what your right hand's doing, is, in all honesty, do we all give? I haven't got a clue. I've been coming here for 15 years. I don't know what people give. That's great. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So I think we're doing all right with that as a church. I think. The question that I should have written was, uh, should we all give? I think the answer is yes. Jesus tells us, when you give, when you give. Twice in those four verses, when you give, there is an expectation that we should give. And there's the people who are prompted by the Holy Spirit to give very generously. And that may be us some days, or it may not. And there are those people who haven't got a button, who can't give anything. But in the middle, there's us who are prompted to give. And give generously. To who or what? Well, we can analyse it however we want. We can use principles of effective altruism. We can look at the balance sheet of every charity we give to. We can keep an eye on the news to check what Oxfam are up to in Haiti. Um, and uh, we can give as we feel prompted. But we do need to give. And it strikes me that the usual pattern should be what we have in the Bible. So giving to church, giving to mission works, giving to the needy. But let's not be closed to the prospect of giving to other causes, like the homeless person, like the smelly person, like the person who isn't very nice. And how much should we give? Well, essentially, however much 
God prompts us to give, bearing in mind our situation, bearing in mind that he doesn't want us to be harmed. But again, being open to the fact that the Holy Spirit may well prompt us to give extravagantly, both as individuals and as a church. And please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying, those of you who are tithers, I'm not saying tithing is a bad thing. Tithing is a great thing. It's a wonderful gifting. It's a wonderful thing. All I'm saying is, think, pray, and respond. And finally, with gracious thanks to Beryl, who isn't here this morning, she uses this phrase a lot. I've heard her use this while I've been here at least four times in various conversations. We should give what we have decided in our heart to give, as prompted by the Holy Spirit. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver.